Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. Welcome to McGill Cares webcast series supporting family and informal caregivers. I'm Claire Webster, a former caregiver, certified dementia care consultant, and founder of McGill University's Dementia Education Program. I work with a dynamic team of leading healthcare professionals to oversee the program, who include Dr. José Moret from the Division of Geriatric Medicine and Dr. Serge Gauthier, Professor Emeritus, formerly of the McGill University Research Center for Studies in Aging. These webcasts are made possible thanks to the generosity of donors, and I would like to sincerely thank the Zeller Family Foundation for sponsoring today's webcast. Well, January is Alzheimer's Awareness Month, and I'm extremely pleased to have some of my colleagues and a very important not-for-profit organization from Montreal, the Alzheimer's Society here with me today on McGill Cares in order to discuss how the Alzheimer's Society of Montreal supports persons living with dementia and care partners. So my guests today are Jean Day, who is the executive director, and Marie-Christine Lebaudet, the director of programs and services. Welcome to McGill Cares. Thank you. Thank you. So um, I think we'd like to begin by, first of all, sharing with our viewers, what is the Alzheimer's Society of Montreal and your programs and tell us about your mission. Mm. Thank you very much, Claire, for having us today with the, that webinar and Happy New Year, everybody. So our mission at the Alzheimer's Society of Montreal is to elevate the social and personal consequences of Alzheimer's disease and related disorder through the development of de and delivery of leading edge intervention, care and support services in Montreal. The Montreal Alzheimer's Society has been created in 1981 when the Alzheimer's Soci Society of Montreal was founded by mainly caregivers. So I think in their historical, they found that there was some lack of communication tools and support for caregivers. So they created the Alzheimer's Society of Montreal. So what are some of the specific programs that are offered in Montreal? And not only the programs, but how can people ac access these important programs? Mm -hmm. Thank you for asking, Claire. We have a lot of programs. We have programs for people living with dementia. We have prob programs for caregivers, and we also have programs for both of them. So for the program for people living with dementia, we have the support group for caregivers and for people living with dementia also. We got the in individual consultation for people who just receive a diagnostic or people living with disease also. We have the support groups, the, the weekly ones and the monthly ones. We have the um, heart therapy group. We have the laughter yoga. We have the creative dance with the Les Grands Ballets de Montréal. And we have also a partnership with the Miguel University with the program What's Connect Us. And to, to be able to uh, uh, con to participate in those programs, you just have to contact the Alzheimer's Society of Mo on Montreal. You can go by calling us or going on our website. And if you go on our website, you can also see all the programs and all the schedule of every program and be able to connect with us. And we will be more than happy to uh, to contact you and uh, get you uh, in board in a group. Are there any fees to participate in these programs? Some are light fees and some are free. 
So it, it's mm-hmm. different depending on the programs. Okay. And so I just want to take a pause and talk a little bit about the impact of COVID, you know, like what you've seen in terms of how COVID has impacted some of your clientele. And then also how did it COVID impact the Alzheimer's Society of Montreal? I know that a lot of organizations like yours were not able to offer in-person activities. So what, what impact did COVID have? I would say that uh, it impacted all of our services, but all of them have been adapted to uh, reaching out to our clients in various ways. Um, and one of the impact that we see now that our services are, are mostly back in person or getting back in person is the impact of the um, social isolation on the, the development of the neurocognitive disorder, which we know is a, a big factor of protection. So um, that's what I would say. But all of our services have been adapted. People are, are really good at adapting also online, which at first uh, it can be hard, learning new, new ways to connect with each other. But most of them, uh, they did it well. Mm-hmm. Well, we were very happy. The McGill Dementia Education Program has done a pilot project with Alzheimer's Society Montreal and started a program called The Sharing Room, which has been a virtual support for spouses mm-hmm. and children who are caring for a loved one. And we saw the power of, of, of virtual support um, in, in our particular program that we're doing together. Have you seen, like, has it been easy for people to access, like doing, doing Zooms with you or a support group via online? Well, for some of them, it was really a, a challenge. It's a new way of, of connecting, as I said. And some of the some of our clientele uh, didn't have iPads or laptops, or even some of them don't have internet uh, services. So there are challenges, but there are also community services that help people get in touch um, with each other, help them to connect. And we also always keep um, some time, you know, when, when we start a program to make sure everybody can access to Zoom. We just don't send a link. We make sure that they're able to connect and everything. But it can be quite challenging and it can also impact other caregivers, especially because now they need not only to care for their, uh, their the person they, they help, but also support in technical ways. So it's, it's another, another task for them in some cases. So the Alzheimer's Society of Montreal is part of a large national organization. Can you perhaps just explain a little bit about, you know, how does it work within the umbrella of Alzheimer's Society of Canada and do other provinces offer similar programs as yours? Yes, of course, there's, there's, we're all linked to uh, the Canadian Alzheimer's Society and depending where you live and where you are and the context of the environment where you live, programs can change because we adapt the program depending on our capacity and depending on the needs in the society. Um, in Quebec, we have now the Fédération des Sociétés Alzheimer du Québec, and we are, they represent 20 uh, Alzheimer's society all across Quebec. So we have different programs in each society, but some of our, are also the same. Um, most of them, they do have trainings for um, medical professional, and they also do have in-home respect and stimulation. So these are the programs that probably we all share together. In Montreal, we have different programs. We have um, one that is really uh, oriented in prevention. We have the Ma uh, Santé uh, Cognitive, Cognitive Health Program. This is a new program that we did build uh, in-house and that we're promoting uh, 
to the grand public, but also people living with the disease and their, their caregiver. So this is a particular program and we're really proud of it. So any other program, Marie-Christine, that you're thinking about? No, I really think that, uh, well, the Alzheimer's Society in, in different regions, they, they adapt to their, their different clientele. In Montreal, we don't mm -hmm. have the same, uh, challenges, I would say. We don't, we have a lot of different cultural communities. We have also different languages that are being spoken. So, uh, the basics of the programs, I think, are the same in the ways that, in the goals that we have, but the, the way that we deliver services can be quite different. But we can imagine that, uh, every person in Quebec can have services from their Alzheimer's societies in their, in their regions. And there's a great collaboration between all the society also. Yeah. We all have the same goals to support the people. Yeah. So how does the Alzheimer's Society of Montreal help people live well with dementia? In, in various ways, I would say, but the, the basics of our, our programs and services is really the person-centered approach to care. So once we, we have this in our mind, we always address uh, the needs of the person and really try to identify how to uh, better respond to them. So it's, it's by having adapted services uh, to the person's need. It's different ways of support, different ways of, of uh, giving information, giving trainings so it's it's on various levels also it's individuals uh, people that have the, a diagnosis of, of dementia. Uh, it's also by helping their care partners, but it's also about uh, bringing awareness in the community. So there are various levels in which we can help people live well with uh, neurocognitive disorders, but always based on person-centered approach to care. Okay, so let's let's like take me through the steps. So let's say like I'd like to know what tools and services are there to help a person who just receives a diagnosis and their care partner. Like is it at what point should we reach out to the Alzheimer's Society? Is it is it once we receive a diagnosis? Uh, like, you know, I mean there's talk about the, a first link program that maybe you can, you know, uh, elaborate on, but like how could you help me? So I'm what is a daughter or I'm a spouse of a person who just receives this 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 news. Take me through the process. Sure. So at any point, people can call us for help. So either, so whether it's it's just uh, the diagnosis just been received or it's been years, people can call us at any time. So the first step is at our intake and orientation so that people will talk to one of our counselors and assess the need. So either it's a person with a neurocognitive disorder or a, a caregiver, it's the same thing. We go through a needs assessment. One of the services that we have is individual psychosocial support. So this is really uh, important because um, caregivers and people living with, with dementia can really have a secure and confidential space really to discuss their reality. So this is one of our, of our basic services that I think is really helpful because it's one-on-one -on -one psychosocial support. After that, this person can meet with a counselor that is, is really uh, specific to their reality. So we have counselor for people living with dementia and we have counselors for caregivers. That said, when the needs are assessed, then we need to put in place some services. It's either in our organization, but also refer to other services in the community. So uh, with our partners, we really like to um, 
have good partnerships with with other organizations um depending on where the the the, the person the people are in their journey we can also offer some respite and stimulation services so we have in-home respite and uh, stimulation services we also have um uh, we have the services in uh, activity centers so those are two types of respite and stimulation that we can offer so this is a, an interesting program because we offer yes respite for the caregivers which um, gives them time and space to really do whatever they want <laughs> you know when that when we are with the person um living with uh neurocognitive disorder but we also offer specialized stimulation for that person so it's not just being present but also um, stimulating with interest and uh, uh, significant activities we also have our therapy uh, for people living with uh, neurocognitive disorder and for caregivers we have some some support groups uh, for both of them we also have um, therapeutic activities such as laughter yoga as Jean mentioned uh, previously so um, really the first step is our intake and orientation and depending on where the person is at what their needs are then we offer different options uh, in our organization, but as well as in the community. So in terms of that first process, I mean, I loved your, I really love your, your, your person patient centered approach. So do people have to come in person to meet with a counselor or are you now offering like some zoom consults or phone consults? I mean, how, how does that work? So the, the key word I think is adaptation. For some, pe for some people, it's better to get out of the home and meet someone else outside. So they're outside of their context of caring and, and, and supporting. For some of them, it's a phone call. It can last an hour or a, just a 30 minute phone call. It can also be a Zoom session. Um, so I, I would say we really do what's the best for the person and the best way that we can offer help for them. So either in person, telephone, or or a, a Zoom call, or a team call, or something, Skype sometimes. So it really depends on what the, the person is, is comfortable with. Okay. And as you mentioned earlier, I mean, Montreal is a very culturally diverse city. So, you know, besides English and French, do any of your counselors speak other languages so that you can accommodate this cultural community? Absolutely. So we have a counselor that is fluent Italian, and we also have a counselor that is speaking Arabic. But uh, we also have some partnerships with uh, with people that can help us translate when there's a need for that. So I would say that that's the way we address um, those types of, of issues. Okay, so that's what you meant by when you're saying you have collaborations with other community organizations, Absolutely. so culturally diverse community organizations where you partner with, okay, because that's yes, that I absolutely. very, very important. And it's important to to know uh, some organization that that work well and are 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 known in different communities because they they become are are uh, are linked with with different cultural cultural communities. It's really important for us and for the people that we're helping also. So let's talk about uh, caregivers now or care partners. I mean, how do the needs of spouses or partners of people living with dementia differ than the needs of children? And I'm when I talk children, I'm talking like I was a sandwich generation care partner, differ. 
And so how would you support the different types of care partners? Mm-hmm. So, well, you mentioned the word sandwich. So the, one of the big difference is that uh, for children caring for a parent, there are a thorn between maybe uh, their professional life, their life with their, their own children and helping their, their parents. Uh, for the spouses, one of the things that we see is that living with 24 hours a day, seven days a week with a, a person that has a neurocognitive disorder can be really intense. So there, there are different ways, but there are ways also that that um, that are similar. Um, what I would like to say is that ambiguous laws, I don't know if, if you, you've heard about that, uh, Claire, probably. Yes, or uh, anticipatory mourning, right? We call it ambiguous loss or... Yes. Anticipatory grieving. Yeah. So this is something that 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 can be seen in uh, all the the, um, the different uh, relationship. Is that where you need to you you are grieving someone that is still physically there. So this is something that either you're you're uh, you're helping a, a parent or a spouse. This is something that that we see every every way, and the best way to. Uh, address the differing differing needs is to assess them individually. So this is really the basic. So um, someone that is caring for a parent or a spouse, there even if it's the same thing, the the reality is different. So uh, even if I'm caring for a parent and I have a friend who is also caring for a parent, this wouldn't mean that we live in the same, uh, we're living the same challenges or that we know the same thing about the disease. So I would say the first step and really the more, the most important one is assessing the individual need, whether you're a child caring for a parent or a spouse caring for a, for your, a loved one. Okay. So I want to go back a little bit about the respite program that you offer where, can you explain that a bit more? Is it like a few hours where you will have um, you know, one of your members of your staff come in and and relieve the per, the care partner. And if so, how does it work? How do people? How can people access that respite program? Okay, so the first step is always the same: is our intake and, and uh, orientation counselor. I would say, well, yes, we we uh, we observe a need for respite, but also a need for stimulation for the person uh, living with a neurocognitive disorder. There are two ways that we offer these services: it's either in home, so yes, we have a, a specialist that comes in home for two to four hours a week, and really help the the, the the caregiver by giving them respite, but also uh, having significant activities with the, the, the person that they're accompanying. There is also a respite and stimulation in activity centers, which is different. It's a whole day that the person living with uh, um, Alzheimer's or another uh, uh, neurocognitive disorder comes in our activity centers for the day for let's say five hours, they eat lunch with us, they make activities, exercises in the morning and in the afternoon also. So this gives the whole day or mostly most of the day to the caregiver that can you know, do whatever they feel like doing. But, um, and the person comes to our activity center, which is interesting because it's not individual service services, but it, uh, it also brings uh, social interaction, which is really interesting um, for people that, that, that we see in our services. They appreciate that having this social interaction 
going somewhere else than receiving services at home or in a hospital or, or a clinic. So it's it's outside of the, the caring system or the, the healthcare system, I would say, but it's really adapted to their, uh, their reality and capacities. Thank you. That's very, very. Uh, it's 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 amazing how you have ex- such significantly important programs for care partners. So let's Thank talk you. a little bit about um, cognitive uh, preventing cognitive decline. I mean, do you offer any courses, workshops, information uh, for individuals like everyday, you know, the general public at large in terms of how to prevent cognitive decline? Uh, yes. I would, uh, I would, uh, I would talk about uh, my cognitive health. Maybe, Jean, if you want to jump in with the uh, early diagnosis or uh, awareness program with my cognitive health, um, I think this could be. A, it's something that really is interesting for Jean. So I would like. Uh, I think she should like to talk about it. <laughs> Absolutely, very important. The, uh, the diagnostic precoce for me is one of the big issue that we need to. Um, to, to put our energy in communicating the importance of having the, uh, the early diagnostic. And the uh, prevention is also a, an angle that we really want to, um, to, to, to work on it and to promote also all kind of um, activity where people can get um, some uh, ownership or some uh, ownership on um, different abilities or different activities or different um, behavior that they can change and uh, act on it. So um, the uh, cognitive health program is working on uh, sleep habits, healthy habits, uh, uh, all the um, food also intake that we have, uh, mistakes. Okay, comment je dirais ça, l'alimentation en anglais? The nutritional benefits. Yeah, okay, yeah. (laughs) So it's to bring all the nutritional benefit, also the importance of choosing the good food and everything in terms of prevention of uh, the cognitive decline. So um, we have uh, have created five videos on different topics that we're presenting in two uh, different organizations. Mainly in the Northern Montreal, we have like, uh, a nice uh, overview of those uh, uh, capsule in uh, Montreal. So that's something that we want to promote all around Montreal also. Now our um, content is more of people that are di- diagnosed with the disease, but we also want to promote any activities, prevention activities to grand public also. Okay, so a very important question now. One of the, my last questions, how do people access all this information? How can we access this new guide that you've developed? What's available on your website with regards to resources? Yeah, there's a lot that, that are available on our website. You can go at www.azamermorial.ca and you can go into programs. You could see a lot of uh, information about our programs. You can also go on uh, different um, questions that you have, people living with the uh, dementia, the caregiver. So there's a lot of information directly on our website. Or you can also call in and we'll be we'll be referring you to the people that can help you, either it's intake and orientation, or either it's the the individual uh, assessment of your needs. So feel free to go on our website to call us and you can get all the information and we'll be pleased to help you. Can I please have the number where people should call? Yes, yes, yes. It's 514 
369-0800. And on the Miguel Dementia Education website, we have a section called resources, and we have a direct link to your organization uh, on our website. And any last, you know, final notes with regards to any events coming up, anything that you would like to share with our viewers? Of course, we have our colloquium that's coming on January 25th. So uh, it's uh, it's going to be a nice colloquium all day with uh, a lot of experts. And we're looking for the best practice all around the world and here. So it's going to be some sh nice sharing and we're going to present all kinds of um, topics also. So welcome everybody to join us on January 25th. And how do people sign up and register for the um, for that full day workshop? Yes, because uh, we're going to have a page on our website for the colloquium. So you'll be more than uh, pleased to go and register. Well, thank you very much to you both for taking the time uh, today to um, share all of the important services and programs that Alzheimer's Society of Montreal uh, offers. Thanks thank for the opportunity, yeah. Claire. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. So this webcast is an initiative of the McGill Dementia Education Program, which is funded by private donations. Once again, I would like to sincerely thank the Zeller Family Foundation for sponsoring today's webcast. If you would like to make a contribution to our program or for more information, please visit us at mcgill.ca slash dementia. And if you would like to join our mailing list to be notified of upcoming episodes of McGill Cares, as well as hear about important programs and resources from us, you can sign up at mcgill.ca slash dementia or send us an email at dementia at mcgill.ca. Thank you for watching.